Since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing our special guest co-host, we want to tell y'all folks at home how to check out The Marvelists on social media. So how? First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like-ski on there. Give myself a like-ski on facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also find us collectively on Twitter at The Marvelists. Give myself a follow on the Twitter at Peter Melnick. You can also find us on Instagram collectively as The Marvelists. You can find myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick. It's kind of the same. The Marvelists. Peter Melnick. And then we have a man who has a social media handle on Instagram, Eddie. It is at Eddie9193. Now, also on top of that, you can drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, pictures of Spider-Man, paper mache, green goblins. We don't, we, we'll take it all. Pumpkin bombs. Paper mache pumpkin bombs, but don't let, don't let them be actual bombs. Like that, That's that, true. First off, that's just a terrible idea. And I mean, you know, I think it would like the material would like seep through the, the paper mache material. and just ruin it. It would ruin, it'd be ruined. Ruined. <laughs> but, wow. on top of that, people, you can listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. First and foremost, you can listen to us on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. Five star if you're ever so inclined. And just remember, those four stars and below, they don't work. They they just don't work. It's it's like the ice cream machine at McDonald's. It, it just does not oh, no. work. Oh, not the ice cream machine. I mean, Schrodinger's ice cream machine is both broken and <laughs> working at the same time. So... It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful invention. But, again, share the show on social media. Throw it up on Facebook, Twitter. Use the hashtag TheMarvelous or hashtag Marvelous. I'm doing an eyebrow thing right now for the audio podcast, and it doesn't make sense. No. But you can also listen to us on all iOS and Android devices with programs such as SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, and all those good little ear hole listening devices. You can listen to us and Mark Marin and Joe Rogan talk about DMT. And it's just amazing. It's so much stuff. <laughs> but, people at home, you can also listen to a man who, he's been doing radio for a while. I believe 30 years, Eddie? Uh, yeah, 33 now. 33 years now. And some of you are in different states, such as our guest co-host we have today. But, you may not have been able to hear Eddie before. Well, we just realized a week ago... Oh, crap, we could have just plugged this this entire time. There's this app for your iOS and Android devices called the Radio Bold app. And in the morning hours... On the East Coast, from 6 to 9, Monday to Friday. Yes. You can listen to this guy be the voice of Sullivan. Sullivan County, people. Because he's the VOS of VOS FM. Eddie Wilson, you can listen to him talk about stuff. And what else? Music. What else is there? Yeah, Yeah, the greatest hits of all time. The Sullivan Catskills greatest hits. 
That's the main gig. And it was because of this radio that uh, you and I happened to meet, and here we are. And I'm genuine- In a nutshell. What an intro. I don't even know. Unscripted, but I think we better write some stuff down now if we do that again. <laughs> I mean, I'm just genuinely shocked we have not talked about that ability to listen to you on the radio. Uh, well, and there yeah. are people that want to listen to you. There are a lot of people like that are like, wait a minute, he is a radio guy. How wait. much is that costing us? <laughs> What, the, ra- the app? To get the people to listen. Well, I mean, you know, love and affection. <laughs> it's a know, free... No cost. Yeah, it's a free Radio Bold app. You can get that. The other, oh, nine or 11 stations in the uh, Bold Gold family. So, uh, yeah, lots to choose from there. But impartially for me, I personally just recommend listening to VOS because you get to listen to Eddie Wilson as well as Mark in the Dark, and he's not in the dark. He's, he's the, in, the, the afternoon, evening talent, yes. He's in a lit studio, which is... I mean, do you, well, I mean, also, you know, the the radio board has lights built in on it. So it he, has to. So he can be able to see it. So he wouldn't really truly be in the dark. It rhymed, and that's all it was meant to do. But it works. And he's got a great mustache. I've seen pictures of the mustache. I'm genuinely jealous. <sighs> but anyway, Eddie, <laughs> enough talk about mustaches. We want to talk about our guest today. He is going to be coming in talking about his book, Archives of the Five Kingdoms? That works, yes. Friend of the show, Archives of the Five Kingdoms writer, artist, if you will, direct from the left coast, that's California. Let's welcome Garrett K. Jones. Garrett, thanks for spending some time with us. Hey, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. So where do we start? Uh, When did you start with uh, your endeavor into this, and uh, what's it all about if people haven't heard of it yet? Well, um, it's kind of a... Long story, so I'll sum it up in, in a bit of a nutshell. Let's see if I can do a better job than uh, Wong talking about the Infinity Stone. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. Um, I actually started designing my characters when I was in late middle school, early high school. Uh, they initially started off as comic book characters because that's what I read. And uh, I realized I couldn't draw to save my life, so I figured I'd just write a good yarn. And... I started writing when I was living abroad in Japan after high school, started developing the characters, developing the stories, came back to the States, realized that the story I had originally was an okay skeleton, but it needed some, some work. Um, set everything on fire, started over from scratch, trimmed the fat, and uh, now I'm at a point where I've got four books in, and I'm working on book five. What kind of length and uh, you know generic basic plot line are we talking about here? Well, uh, it's medieval fantasy, so kind of like on the cusp of Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. Not as many arbitrary deaths, not as much you know walking around New Zealand, but um, uh, it's just you know it's good high fantasy: dragons, elves, magic, uh, vampires that don't sparkle. Hmm. Right on, right um, on. Yeah, I, uh, unfortunately, like I said, I'm not much of an artist, but uh, I've had some good artists to work with on the cover art. You know, I just needed a second to put vampire and sparkle together in the same sentence, so I'm still working through that. <laughs> <laughs> just just a different term that I just came in contact with. Okay. Uh, length of these books, I mean, are they um, available in hardcover, softcover, uh, generally speaking, how many pages for each? Um, the average page count is about 350 to 400 pages. Mm. Uh, it just really depends on which book you pick up. Um, but, uh, they're available on paperback and Kindle editions through Amazon. 
Uh, I do sell them locally when I do events here in uh, Central California. And then I'm actually having an audiobook version of my first book uh, produced right now. It's about a third of the way completed with the just the narration. And it should be out sometime after the middle of May. Wow. So you're working on the 5th. Four are done. Uh, when would you say they first started being um, published and, and accessible to the public? Um, well, I had the first one done on Kindle back in 2015, mm-hmm. and people started suggesting maybe I produce a paperback edition because it's really hard to uh, do a book signing on somebody's Kindle. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, it kind of devalues the property a mm. little bit when you uh, scribble on the plastic with permanent marker. I've actually but, seen people sign people's cell phones in that instance, and it's... No. It, I swear to you, it, I've really seen that. That's just dumb. I, come on. <laughs> um, but I, I started building a, a small following here locally. Um, there's a few people who have actually shown up uh, in my home area looking for me uh, because they heard that either through the news or through word of mouth that I was going to be at an event. They wanted to get the next book in the series, and they they found me. Wow. Not in a stalker kind of way. Good. Very good. No, not yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that, that spicy redhead to show up and just be like, hey, let me sweep you off your feet. <laughs> well, mean, I then... with, no, sorry, I'm a married man. Yeah, good answer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's a certain amount of uh, safety and security you got to look out for with that. It's nice that they come searching you out. That's that's very good. There shows there's some uh, you know attraction or interest to say the least in that. And uh, you know the way you've gotten the word out, you know you're yourself. And if you don't have other too many other resources, then you have to do all the all the work, legwork or otherwise. Yeah, it gets. It gets really, uh, it can be a little exhausting and a little disheartening sometimes, especially when I'm trying to get myself out there and uh, I don't have the, like, the national acclaim or recognition of some other authors. Um, and what, what kills me is I've got some people, you know, family members, in fact, who have said, well, you're not really a published author. And I'm like, well, I've got, a, I've got four books. You don't. You published. That's just, it's tough. You can't pick your family. You know, but you just you just got to do what you truly love and want to keep going forward with, and, and that's why I do what I do. And yeah, here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I'm doing. I mean, I uh, one of the things that I've done is I've made some really fun connections uh, with some of the local comic conventions I've been to, and it's been a lot of fun. I've gotten to meet some cool cosplayers who have gone off to larger uh, con- uh, events and. It was really neat. I've been there's a couple of cosplayers I've been trying to get to cosplay a couple of my characters and take some of the promotional material with them. And unfortunately, they're a little bit busy doing their modeling shoots and stuff. Yeah, there's a different track, and that's kind of a whole different sort of um, arena as to you know what type of cosplayer you're going to get and what characters they're going to try to emulate. Some completely a lot of creativity going on there, whether it's just uh, something that you know character wise or something that's totally off the wall. And original, and you know, the different different tastes as far as that goes. Yeah, although I've seen some, uh, I, I've, I've seen some really cool uh, experiences with this whole thing. Uh, 
because I mean, you get to meet a lot of other writers and uh, see what they're like. And there's a point where I started feeling like a lot of these other writers are like competition. And being on Twitter especially has been really neat for me because uh, I no longer look at them as competition. I look at them as, you know, we're playing for the same team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With this, though, that you're working on, you said May was a target date for what you're working on now, exactly. Uh, you figure on doing some more uh, signings, things like that, to keep yourself out there. What else uh, would be coming next up for you? Well, my, my what I'm looking at doing is I'm, I'm trying to raise the capital to go to WonderCon uh, for this next year. Um, Where is WonderCon based out of again? Anaheim. Oh, okay, I thought so. Yeah, um, and it, it's one of the closer big conventions to where I live. I'm I'm about 40 minutes south of Fresno, and so L.A. is a L.A. Anaheim. It's a three and a half hour, four hour drive from here, and I can I've got family down south that I can easily just crash with, and I, so I can go in, set up, take what I need to take in, and uh, there you go. Yeah, at least you don't have to ex- go through the expense of a, a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Although I still have to deal with the expense of gas down in L.A. Ugh. Yeah. In the interest of fairness with that, it never rains in Southern California, to quote Albert Hammond. Yes, it's my <laughs> my one attempt to be able to throw a musical reference into this episode today. At least it's one. It's one. It's one of, there'll be several, so please bear well, with us, Well, in the interest of fairness, when you think about it, Randy Newman has uh, a very weird stance in life. He loves L.A. and hates short people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I guess I guess he wouldn't get along with Tyrion Lannister too much then. Well, he but he's in L.A. That's the problem. It's like it's one of those quandaries for him. He's in he's in that place, but he's a short person. So <laughs> I I would imagine it's gonna be well, you know, my name is Randy Newman. That's about the end of this impression. <laughs> Holy cow! Where did that? But you've come? never heard my Randy Newman? No, and um, you know, I can't unhear it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Garrett, how long have you been a fan of the Marvel brand? Uh oh, Marvel. Wow. Um, gosh, uh, going back decades. Uh, I remember in like fourth grade, um, like when the Marvel trading cards, like series two, were all the rage back in the early to mid nineties. Mm. Uh, I, I, I had some kids that were older than me in school, and they started. They kind of got me into it, and. I hadn't really read comic books in a couple of years, with the exception of a, of a few Batman comics here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mostly grew up on Batman because I hadn't even heard of the X-Men. I knew that Spider-Man existed uh, in Captain America, but I wasn't as familiar with them uh, as I was with Batman for some reason. And I, I think I just, because of the, you know, the solo attitude that Batman has, that's what kinda, I kind of clung on to. But about third or fourth grade, that's really when I got into... Marvel, um, and I wanted to be really, I wanted to get in cool with these guys that I, I, that were older than me, and so I started learning as much as I possibly could, and, um, and it just became kind of this lifelong obsession of everything Marvel Comics, and comics in general, so- uh, to the point where when I was in college working on my undergrad in creative writing, uh, I, would, I was going to the local border shop five miles from campus. And I was dropping like 80 bucks a month on graphic novels, mostly Marvel. Um, and I was able to write those off as textbooks because my focus was on comic literature. So you mentioned Spider-Man and Captain America and now the graphic novels. So I wanted to ask if you recall, 
if it was Spider-Man or Captain America that were your actual first in handheld read comic books, or maybe if it was a graphic novel that was your first comic book like that experience, Marvel, what that might have been? Um, the first Marvel comic book that I actually read, it was a, a promotional piece that like the Anti-Tobacco League was doing back in the late 80s, early 90s. And it was Spider-Man, Storm, and Power Man, yes. a.k.a. Luke Cage, yep. uh, in their full like late 80s, early 90s regalia. Uh, and they were fighting against this bad guy called the Smokescreen, who was trying to get kids to start smoking cigarettes. I remember that. I like have that. that. Yeah. It, it was one of those weird uh, storylines that I'm like, huh. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, well, they do tell the story in, in one, I believe, issue, not a full, full-blown full comic book issue, but the same size and, and that kind of thing. And I don't know if it's got value now, other than, of course, the message that it that it sends. And there have been some other ones um, throughout time that have been like that. Uh, Heroes for Hunger, that's crossing over to the Distinguished Competition. I remember that, uh, and, and, and only that's from the 80s also, I'm going to say like 1984. And a, and a on-his-knees... Weeping Superman, I believe, holding an emaciated child from, I think, a third world country, that that kind of thing. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I think uh, there's a comic shop here in my hometown, um, and uh, I think they may have like a, like a protected copy of that particular issue, in fact, because that sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah exactly. and I think Lex Luthor is in his um, battle armor with... Green, greenish clear helmet on that just it's the image that I have in my head uh, and there have been a couple of other ones like that along that way a drug anti-drug campaign I think maybe either Cloak and Dagger was involved in one or possibly Power Pack in another Marvel uh, you know again public service announcement type of thing so there are those mm-hmm. um, oddities for lack of a better word that are out there but send a, a clear message to, to folks and yes I remember that smokescreen character too and Spider-Man, Storm, Luke Cage on that on that cover. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. It's good educational material, you know. And maybe the precursor to something like you know, Free Comic Book Day, which is coming up on I think it's the very first Saturday in May always, every year. Yes, and I think it's on for the May last, the fourth for Star Wars Day. It just so happens like that. But I think it's about seventeen thereabouts years now that it's yeah. It started I believe two thousand two, two thousand three. I think it was two thousand two, yeah. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Yeah, actually, the comic shop that I was just mentioning, they do a, a block party every year for Free Comic Book Day, and I'm going to be out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got people from the uh, 501st local chapter here that yeah. uh, will show up in full Stormtrooper gear, and I'm looking forward to it. It's impressive seeing a lot of the uh, the cosplay in regards to the uh, the Star Wars ones. I love some of the ones I see, and I like I like how Marvel cosplay has not gotten to this level yet, but... You'll see cosplayers in the Star Wars fandom, and they'll go with the most bizarre out there cosplays, right? And one that I'm using as an example, and I'm waiting for the day we see a guy do something with Marvel similar to this. There was a guy on set for one of the original Star Wars movies. He's wearing no shirt, pink booty shorts, and he's holding the boom mic. A guy cosplayed as a person working on Star Wars with pink booty shorts. That's awesome. And I think like one day we're going to have Galaga guy from 
the Avengers, the one who was sitting there playing Galaga and no one thought he was doing that. I noticed. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be that. I could see something like that. I could see who, like, I'm waiting for the level of a dust Spider-Man. Like, find a way to incorporate that. Uh, I imagine there has been something, but that's not coming to mind right now. It also doesn't materialize. Anyway. But just... That would be cool. There's so many cool things with that. And Marvel can, you know, Marvel fans can do that. There's a lot of deep cuts, especially with cosplay. Yeah, the cruel thing will be that it'll be a vacuum cleaner and one will have the Spider-Man logo on it and another one will have a different character. Come on, let's not even... Let's not even... That'll be a collector mini set, twelve inch figures of the you know. Now, th- speaking of things that are mini, by the way, mm. there is a mini series that's going to be coming out this year. It is Wolverine versus Blade, or Blade versus Wolverine, whichever whichever one you want to prefer. But alphabetical, okay, yeah, fine. But whatever. But this series is happening, and I'm genuinely shocked, guys, that this has not happened before. When you really think about it, the character of Blade was popular in the late '90s, early aughts, and to not see anything done their paths cross is kind of surprising they'll find yeah, a way is. yeah uh go ahead no they'll find a way if they're going to cross swords and that and what and claws uh, sword and claws it'll be a misunderstanding of some kind because otherwise what can they possibly you know there's there got to be a vampire involved somewhere it must so, be some misunderstanding it's music reference number two what? genesis mm-hmm. My thought was, well, I'm, I'm Three, surprised they haven't crossed paths, because I remember a few years ago, after uh, the X-Men moved to the West Coast for, for a short spell, uh, Jubilee was infected by vampire blood, and... Yeah, this uh, was during the main... Vampire. Yeah, it was the uh, X-Men run, 2010, I think it was... Uh, there was a vampire or something. T- yeah, I have yeah. some of those some of those issues. I think they were black lettering with red around the letters. Was um, Blade involved? Bordered. I wouldn't be surprised. No, Blade wasn't involved. Um, uh, Wolverine was was going after. Like, I don't know what the heck was going on. It, it was. I, I've got the comic book or the graphic novel somewhere else, but the the premise was that uh, they were trying to infect as many mutants as possible. Yeah. Uh, Jubilee just happened to be, you know, patient zero, and she flipped. At one point, she tried biting Wolverine. He turned briefly. And then his healing factor just purged it out of the system. Mm. So now this but is coming. Was, yeah. There was a Blade versus Captain America one in the Ultimate Universe um, after after the initial run of the Ultimates and Ultimate X Men and all that, where Blade finally shows up and Captain America turned into a, a vampire briefly before Super Soldier Serum purged it from him, and he and Blade kind of fight but then they team up and fight the vampires it's really bizarre hmm i fortunately don't have the interest and just so much to do in this regular universe that i have not touched anything ultimate and i think i want to keep it I mean, that way ultimate was great and you're missing out on some <laughs> yes amazing i stuff. am i like, am really good stuff i'm missing out on the tens of thousands of things that i still have in my possession so there well, I mean, you can pick certain books. You don't have to read all of them, but I do recommend Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis. I, I own them. I need to read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. Or no, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man, Eddie. You don't have those. I've seen the collection, and it, I shook my head. I literally did an SMH. Mm-hmm. Shaking my head. Oh. <laughs> you can buy gifts. Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> 
Uh, see that that kind of shut them up toward, right there. towards the Eddie Wilson comic book fund. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. Well, Eddie, if you, if you'd like to borrow my my selection uh, for a small renter's fee, I will send you my entire run of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis. Hey, let's think about that. Mm-hmm. Put it on the list. <laughs> now, in regards to that miniseries happening, what are some crossovers in regards to Marvel that you would want to see down the line, both of you guys? Like, ones that no one has seen happen yet. I'm surprised. Like, maybe, like, character A versus character B. It just hasn't happened. We've gotten team-ups, you know, crossover books like Black Panther versus Deadpool from friend of the show Daniel Kibblesmith. And it's it's wild to, you know, that they really never had that many encounters. Maybe just a two-issue spat in the original Deadpool series, but otherwise nothing for years. So what would you guys want to see? Mm. Ooh. Mm. Definitely for me, one of the characters I think is completely underrated, but I would love to see, especially now that they're going more cosmic with MCU, um, is I would love to see Darkhawk versus Wolverine. All right. Mm-hmm. That, I, I would like to see that. I mean, myself, you know, because the, the character is still so new and the, the possibilities are endless, I would love to see Cosmic Ghost Rider versus Deadpool. Ooh. The fact, you know, it's, that fun. And it's guaranteed to happen very soon because the character Cosmic Ghost Rider, he's in his second miniseries now, and which is going on from... Uh, Paul Shear of the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Which, if you know, he's one of those guys I did not think would do that well in writing comics. Friggin' amazing guy. Just amazing talent. And his, I believe he did a Deadpool biannual, and it is one of the funniest stories you'll ever read, where he, he fights uh, against brute force. You remember brute force, right, Eddie? Vaguely. I don't have an image, but... It, They're the it sounds- animals. They're the animals. The ones that are part robot, part robot, part animal. All right. That came up somewhere not too long ago, actually. It's um, crappy 90s comics, Eddie. <sighs> well, see, that was part of where I got out, like 93. And I'm then, out. I'm out. And just cut me off. How you say? Shut it down. Yes, exactly. Avenge me. <laughs> that We'll get to that. Yes. We will, we will get to that. <laughs> that is going to be a recurring thing now in... I'll quickly throw that over there. Well, but before we do, Eddie, what is a crossover you'd like to see? Well, you said uh, between the both of you and Cosmic came into the picture, and the first thing I thought of was, uh, and maybe it's been looked into, it's again something I need to catch up on, that few issues of um, Cosmic Power. It went under that title. And one character is the Jack of Hearts, who I only really got wow, to know. Wow, that's a deep cut. I, I only knew him from a, uh, a Marvel premiere a four-issue miniseries, you know, in the 80s, and then I don't know what happened, but part of me is saying, like, wait, I, I think he may have died off. He may have been killed. That's a pretty obscure character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so why not? Be fun, though. I'm just thinking, though, he's got the glowing eye, and then I went to Gambit with that. I'm like, well, wait a minute, maybe the two of them. Maybe. I, you know. Because I like that. Peter likes to throw these questions out at random to me and, and whoever else we're talking to. But you got to be on your toes. Yeah, well, that's why I stand when I do my radio thing. Anyway. Are you, <sighs> you're like Broadway Bill Lee from CBS FM. Oh, good. Hashtag Broadway Bill. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Are you going to start rhyming though? No. God, no, his, his really. rhymes are genuinely like fascinating to watch. Like, they, he just he just flows. It's no, amazing. they do. They you know it's it's a it's a it's a talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see you doing it though. You could be the next Leap and Lanny Poffo. You could throw frisbees with poems at people. I want to see it now. Great. Let's this do is, it. This is radio. This is not a visual medium. Yeah, but when there's a promotional event, you can just <laughs> thwack somebody in the face with a frisbee. Yeah, no. Then there's always Instagram. See? It's, I know. There's there's the in-studio cameras and all that hubbaloo. Yeah. Hubba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay, moving right along. Bear and a Studebaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Muppets, yeah. So the miniseries, yes, and the crossovers. Um, did we touch on X-Men Phoenix? Yeah. So it's currently projected to have a low opening. It's not surprising, but it's surprising. And see, guys. See, now you, when you said, how did this get made? There, here we go. Yeah, well, with the film crew and catering and a boom mic, but maybe no pink booty shorts. But there's there's just a lot that kind of disappoints me about this. A lot of people are not hyped for this movie. And to be completely honest, I'm kind of one of them. I love the X-Men movies, but at the same time, with the imminent rebooting of everything, because Lord Feige is going to be going... And continuity is going to be half and half, mm-hmm. if if anything. And although we have been told, if it ain't broke, don't fix it yep. with Deadpool. Well, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of these cats in the Marvel X-Men universe for a while. And mm-hmm. enjoy seeing some of these characters one last time because, yeah. They're going to the shelf. I don't know. Yeah. In all honesty, yeah. And for myself, I, I just don't see the point of this movie because it's not going to matter, you know? I will go for the sake of, gosh, I'm going to see an X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be also like, well, that's it. No more of these characters. Because we don't also know what's going on with the New Mutants. That movie was supposed to debut in August and there has been no new trailers for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, rumor and innuendo will have you believe that it is currently on the shelf and it might, and that's a big might, get released on the Disney Plus app or Hulu. And how disappointing is it to say that? It's this multi-million dollar project, really great probably, you know, in terms of production, special effects, all this stuff. Hulu or a streaming platform. Yeah. Some other one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of heartbreaking. I'm... I'm- I'm actually kind of eager for X-Men Dark Phoenix is here's where I'm sitting with this is that, yeah, it's going to be kind of a bummer. It's going to be kind of a road to nowhere as far as like any perpetual sequel going on. But if you think about the way that the franchise has been going since X-Men first class, where they're, they went back to the 1960s and then they've been jumping ahead every 10 years yeah. uh, with X-Men Apocalypse being in the 80s. And none of them uh, aging, by the way, if you notice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, if you're British or European, you age really well. Um, <laughs> bad teeth, but you age really well. Um, no, I, I mean, if we look at this, this is supposed to take place, uh, Dark Phoenix is supposed to take place roughly 10 years before the events of the original X-Men film from 19 years ago. And 
so I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. It, it, it makes for a nice bookend in the middle of the franchise, essentially, or the middle of the timeline. Everything gets cleared up for me. Um, at, at least that's how I've been looking at it. It's kind of a quasi-philosophical look, but at the same time, I'm kind of curious to see how it will be brought into the MCU. I, I, for, cause I mean, like we've already seen, you know, in the comics, at least alternate variations of characters, how they would appear in different levels of the multiverse and, and what have you. Right. And that's the way I'm looking at it. These are the, this is like the, the characters as if they were, you know, Marvel through a different lens, Marvel through some other part of the multiverse. Um, although that is to say, God help us, can we please just find a way of like rejuvenating Hugh Jackman, actually giving him Wolverine powers so that he can continue playing the character for the next 5,000 years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of agree with you, Garrett, not only on that, but you know, being at least quasi-excited about, about this X-Men Phoenix movie and seeing where they go with this character. Because you want to see, if you like X-Men, you want to see what, what else they can be pitted against and doing and so on. And hope that it's not going to be as bad as people are talking about. This is just an um, extrapolation or an extenuation of, of um, you know, reading critics' reviews before you get a chance to put your own spin on it and, and ingest it and like it, dislike it, or somewhere in the middle. So I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, and, well, and the other thing is, I mean, having been a, a you know a film critic uh, back during my college days, you know, one of the things I get really frustrated with is you get these early these early opinions, and a lot of people are they're only looking at certain elements. They're not looking at the rest of the film as an art form. They're not looking at how the cinematography was done or how the music lays in with the rest of the the action or the the sequences. Um, they only focus on whether or not the acting was okay or, you know, if the story was decent. They start picking apart things that they think are plot holes, which really aren't, by definition, plot holes. Mm-hmm. And it gets, it gets really frustrating. I mean, even, even let's be honest, the, the worst X-Men movie, hands down, has been The Last Stand. And even there are some elements to that that I find, that I find enjoyable. Uh, no question. Uh, as far as the new mutants go, I'm really eager for this. Last I heard, they're still going to be releasing it to theaters in August. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit concerned because yeah, there have been no new trailers. Well, you know, two points I want to just bring up before I completely forget about, and that is uh, there was a reference that Peter said he would pick up on and talk about, it, and it's minor because you happened to say "Road to Nowhere." And that leads me to the talking heads. The talking heads, which is what he says. Any talking heads reference? I'm gonna, you know. And I was gonna. I was. I didn't want to cut off. But well, there you are. You're welcome. Fine. The other thing was when Peter set it up by saying that you know, looking really not good at the trailer for X Men Phoenix and so on. I don't recall seeing, and it was just out a weekend ago thereabouts. Uh, much in the way of a trailer let alone TV, but I don't know if, if, if I saw one of each, one on TV and one through the internet. And Wait, st- for X-Men, you mean? Hellboy. Oh. The rebooted Hellboy. Yeah. So I don't know what the expectation was for that movie uh, In all going honesty, into it. But well, the initial trailer was super... Co- oh, this is going to be the second episode in a row where I bitch about this movie. Uh, um, <laughs> but it's basically a movie that doesn't know its tone. And the initial trailer, the very first one, 
is set to Mone Mone by Billy Idol. And I know when I think of Hellboy, I think of Billy Idol and the, <laughs> the you know sneer and everything. <laughs> no, I don't. I think I think of Gothic architecture. I think of I don't know, a fish guy in a tube. You know all that stuff. I don't think of '80s, you know, rock music, and I feel like the trailers just further prove the point of. Oh boy, this is gonna suck. <laughs> so, anything on that, Garrett? Well, I, you know what, I was of the, I was kind of a late fan into the whole Hellboy franchise. Like, I liked the first movie. I wasn't really sure about it because I wasn't familiar with Mike Mignola's uh, work uh, for Dark Horse at the time. Um, it was really obscure for me, but then like I started getting into it. Um, I liked the, you know, I thought Ron Perlman did a great job as the title character. Um, the animated, the animated films that they did as follow-up were actually pretty decent, uh, cause they, they use Mignola's, uh, art style for the animation. Yeah. Um, but the, this film, I mean, this has more of that darker, grittier tone that the comics were known for, which is great. Uh, but it feels like a rehash of everything that had already been done right by Guillermo del Toro. And I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't been to a theater to go see a movie since Captain Marvel, just because I've been saving my dollars for multiple runs at Endgame. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the interest of fairness, if you have an AMC theater near you, I highly, highly, highly recommend A-List. That's not a free commercial uh, for, well, it is a free commercial for them, but... The, the closest AMC theater, I think, is at downtown Disney. Um, mm. Up here, we're more, we're more uh, controlled by Cinemark and Regal. I think you might have Cinema, S-I-N-E-M-A. They have a program that, you know, they can use at different theaters. I'm not 100%. I don't know how good they are, though. Because I, I, uh, I was one of those uh, movie pass adapter, or adopters, and then that went to shit. But... <laughs> Oh, movie pass! I miss you for thirty movies actually, a month. For nine. We've actually got a. Uh, there's a, a local theater here. It was open years ago, long before I, I was uh, even you know born, uh, and we had a couple of guys who owned theaters up near the Yosemite National Park, and they ended up buying out the the theater, uh, reopening it, and they started doing the movie pass. Um, that actually has done well for that theater. They they're actually thriving as an independent theater, which is kind of cool. That's awesome to know because um, you don't see that with a lot of uh, the movie theaters nowadays. Like movie movies are Endgame is going to be a big event. A lot of people are going to be going to see this, and it's funny because factor in the people that are well, I'll just wait for it to be on DVD. This is going to be a really big movie then because the amount of people that want to see it in theaters is massive as is. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be. It will be breaking so many records. Hashtag go to hell, James Cameron. But <laughs> <laughs> the and ha- shout out to Jeremy Bagley for that one because <laughs> he'll appreciate that one. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there's just so much, and it's gonna be a lot of people seeing this movie, and it will break records. It will just do so much. I don't know if it's on track for breaking a record in pre-sales already for crying out loud. So. so. You know, without looking again, does that surprise you? Well, from all I'm seeing and hearing, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And now it doesn't—it doesn't surprise me either, because I mean, this is this is huge. I mean, 
know, we've got like the local theater here is going to ha- play it on like three different screens. Uh, two, at least one of which is going to be 3D, maybe four screens. I don't know. Uh, I, I was looking at Friday alone for the 26th, and their showings are the showings for the evening on Thursday, and for all the showings in the evening on Friday are sold out. So, I haven't even looked at the midday or Saturday or Sunday. For shits and giggles and diarrhea, I'm actually going to pull up right now the uh, listings. And by the way, shout out to my friend Sheldon for using that expression for so many years that that just finally made its debut on our show. But let's check the coming soon. Where have you been? For Avengers Endgame. And I'll go with a random show. And give me give me a random time and I'll round it up to the next Well, I was going to say with respect to what Garrett said, you know, more sh- screenings, showings of um, our local theater. And I never saw it happen this early. It was like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock on the Saturday so you of the to, weekend. So that Thursday, you want to hear the latest showing? One thirty in the morning. One thirty. Wow. wow. I believe it. And let's see how full that theater is. Yeah. People took the oh, day okay, off. Okay, that's not that bad, but it's currently two seats are taken. Let's go with, let's go with a more reasonable hour. You know, it's not that much of a night owl hour. 12.20 in the morning. 12.20 in the morning. Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a almost full theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is absolutely insane. And those people are not going to be leaving the theater until like maybe two or no three o'clock in the morning. Yep. Yeah. And that's not including yeah. the trailers, by the way, people. Yeah. Um. Which I assume they're gonna. That's part of standard movie fare is you get those fifteen twenty minutes of trailers first. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And. I would say this is going to be one of the... It is obviously going to be the biggest cinema event of all time, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. Like, this is bigger than Phantom Menace was. Oh, yeah. And I I pine for those days, man. I You know, the whole visual of the people standing out l- online for weeks waiting for those tickets to go on sale. Mm-hmm. So you guys want to hear something really fun when it comes to, like, pre-sales and stuff like that? Sure. Okay, so I graduated high school 19 years ago. Uh, the week of the original X-Men film being released in mid-July, because it came out July 14, 2000. Yep. I had been planning with a bunch of friends to go see it on opening night at like a 7 o'clock time slot. Uh, and this is before you could actually go and like pre-sale tickets, you know, months in advance. I, I went to the theater with cash in hand and ordered the first seven tickets in my town for that movie. And I went two times a week for the first three weeks it was out. Wow. To go see this movie because I was so hard-pressed. Not only that, I got the soundtrack. I got the novelization, which the novelization added some, uh, had some cool scenes in it that I would have liked to have seen in the final cut. Um, and it just, it, I mean, that's, that's how much that was an event for me. And now we've hit the point where the MCU is now 11 years in. And this is, it takes what I dealt with, you know, 19 years ago and just magnifies it by a factor of like 5 million. You know, it's funny you say the 7 o'clock Thursday night show in 2000. I honestly don't remember, but I think it was around that time that I saw a midnight showing of the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. 
and one of the Star Wars movies that was somewhere around that time, give or take a year or two. I got a question for you. It would have oh, been episode uh, two. Yes, Attack of the Clones. Okay. Well, Eddie, question. You did, in 2002, a midnight showing of a movie. Yeah. How old were you at that point? Uh, give or take. 36. Eddie, you're doing that at 36. I'm 30, and I'm... Oh, 10 o'clock, well, I'm, I'll see it tomorrow then. I'm not doing this. I'm good. 10 o'clock p.m.? Nope. Well, that's a, that's an interesting point, too. But where I'm going with this is that I didn't know, and I don't remember, when it was uh, starting, it, when it went into effect that you could do a Thursday 7 p.m. showing because it was always had to be Friday, it had to be Thursday night, midnight, excuse me, 12.01 that it would first show. You didn't have it that early. I would imagine it was more with the implementation of major malls and the big theater chains. They were probably the ones that were like, well, well I, we like money and we also like full concession stands. But of, you know, that may have, I think that was actually dictated from the movie companies that said, all right, we're going to allow an earlier and we'll make more money. And the I just didn't remember when money. that. Yeah, I don't remember when that started. That was my whole thing. I didn't realize. I was surprised you said that, Garrett. So, yeah. Well, the midnight showings on Thursday night that didn't really kick in until about two thousand four or five, because I remember pe- people going to see Spider-Man Two with Tobey Maguire um, in two thousand four on like a Thursday midnight showing. Mm-hmm. Technically, midnight crosses into Friday. Yep. But as far as like I'm looking at, I'm looking at our local theater here. Our earliest showing for for uh, next Thursday for Endgame is at 6 p.m. Yes. On Thursday evening, I'm like, I can't even imagine doing that. <laughs> like that's a school night. I've got work the next day. Well, that's the thing. If you get a six o'clock, though, it's three hours, so you're at a decent time. You get to bed at ten, let's say. But you know, um, going the the midnight showing for whatever it was a couple hours and in my case, doing that a couple of times, but then getting up and having to start work at 8.30. So, you know, a little rough, but, you know, you yeah. do that when you're younger. I'm also, um, real quick, I'm looking at the uh, screenings for Avengers Endgame with the Lincoln Square AMC in New York City, uh, where I got to see this past weekend the Dark Knight Trilogy in IMAX. And they have a 2.30 in the morning IMAX showing. And, oh, oh. my God, it's almost, like, th- this is well. the IMAX screening, Eddie. And it's almost full for 2.30 in the oh, morning. That, that does look full. Are you, are you kidding me? And I understand it's New York City, the city that never sleeps. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, people are bringing pillows into that one, I think, or just to be comfortable. It's insane. And it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing to see. And, you know, Garrett, with this movie coming out, a lot of people have their beliefs of what they think is going to happen. And unfortunately, thanks to some people on the internet, I'm not blaming you, Eddie, but would you like you, to be blamed you for this? dang no. not. You're just... No. Shut this down if you don't, you know, Foot- <laughs> behave yourself over there. But footage has leaked of a certain scene in the movie, and I unfortunately got it seen on my Instagram today. You were exposed. Feed. Yeah. I literally just flipping through, mm-hmm. and it came unprovoked and showed it to me, and I'm like, ah. but anyway, a lot of people want to know, or they're, you know, speculating what they think is going to happen with Endgame. What do you think is going to happen in this movie? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I try to stay away from spoilers as much as possible. Um, I have pretty much cut back from going into the search filter for uh, Instagram. Um, and I, I try really hard not to follow any hashtags that have anything to do with MCU. Um, because I, I don't want... I want to be as spoiler-free as possible. However... People are going to talk because, let's be 
honest. Human beings are morons. <laughs> um, and, you know, things are going to get out because apparently they have no respect for the Russo brothers asking them not to give spoilers. As far as the events of the film, um, don't know who's going to die. I know that if there is a character that dies, I'm going to be really unhappy because I, it's probably a character I love. Um, I am looking forward to seeing how this whole thing plays out. Um, my, my thoughts of this though, is because this opens us up to more of the, more of the cosmic side of things. And we do, you know, we've already seen that Kevin Feige has announced that the Eternals is going to be a slated project in the next couple of years. Um, I think it's going to open us up to a lot more things. So like characters like Darkoff, who is a, you know, an obscure, um, you know, fan favorite, you know, with kind of his own little cult following. I think that that could be a character that could be brought in and be really cool. Um, it might be a great way to segue into bringing back, uh, Silver Surfer. I, I've heard one rumor and I think it's kind of a, it would be kind of a, a cheat and really shoehorned in, but there was talk that one of the end credit scenes is going to involve um, some reference to Galactus because maybe Thanos was trying to thin the uh, thin the galaxy or the universe to keep Galactus away from the more habitable and digestible planets. Don't know. I'm just I'm eager to see how this plays out and where it takes us. He's being totally non-spoiler. That's you know what would it what, you know what Garrett's too important for the question I guess is what would you like to see? Um, what? Not just in the movie, like but in the MCU in going general. Forward. Yeah. And uh, then going forward, I would I would love to see the. Once the X-Men are eventually brought in, I would love to see them do, be done right. I would like to see a really good version of the Fantastic Four, uh, a version that actually does the characters justice and doesn't make Dr. Doom look like some pedantic idiot running around in a metal mask. Um, I, would, I would also like to see... Uh, I would like to see if they could bring in those ground crews. Um, I, I mean, that would be a great time to bring in characters like Daredevil and uh, and Luke Cage. Bring them back into the MCU in, in a full street level way. Um, I mean, the Netflix series were great. They 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 had their a uh, great run. Even the worst of them, Iron Fist. But I would love to see those characters brought back in. Really made a whole part of the MCU in true fashion. I think that's I kind of in, that. yeah, in line what? with some, well, I think that's kind of in line with some, what some others have said and who we've spoken to. So, uh, that's, uh, that's good. I'm glad there's like a consensus here. I think there's a lot of good stories with those characters that just have not been, they have not been fleshed out. I mean, with Daredevil season three ending, uh, I mean, that left a lot of things open, especially with regards to uh, the Bullseye character. I would love to see what would happen to him next hmm. and, and where that could take him. I would love to see a dark version of Avengers. I, I mean, if they, if they finally brought in a, a good version of Norman Osborn, not the Goblin, 
not the Green Goblin, but a, just a nice, dark, twisted version of, of Norman Osborn, mm. akin to what Willem Dafoe did, but not as uh, not as much of a caricature. And we could go that route; it would be so cool. But by that point, they'd have to bring in the X Men for sure, because otherwise, you can't have Dark Wolverine or, or anything like that. Wait, did you, um, real quick, did you say Willem Dafoe's uh, Norman Osborn? Yeah. Avenge me! <laughs> oh, I set you up. Thank you. Yeah. But one thing is, who would you... So it wouldn't happen because, one, he's tied up currently with the distinguished competition, but also you don't want to confuse the general movie-going audience with the different interpretations. So who would you cast as a modern-day Norman Osborn? You're on the spot right now. Oh, jeez. Ooh. Oh, I love doing fan cast. I, I love this. Um, I would I would have to say hands down, um, an a, a good actor to play uh, Norman Osborn. I think would be, um, I think Aiden Gillen, who played Littlefinger on Game of Thrones. He would be a good a good cast. Um, I, he's got a pretty decent American accent, um, but I think he's got that, that seeming uh, element to him that I think would be really uh, a nice touch. He's not too over the top about it. Although, again, don't want him getting typecast like uh, some actors do in those kinds of roles. Um, there, I heard rumors of Matthew McConaughey would be a good fit. I'm like, yeah, he could be he could be a little dark and evil, but I don't you know he. I'd be worried that he'd be talking to Peter Parker and be going, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, so Osborne's one of those, he's one of those characters you have to really, really nail down and, and really make sure that the actor is playing them uh, isn't a caricature. That's the one thing you don't want to have happen. Right. Um, and I feel like, Especially, especially some of the best villains who are over the top. That has a tendency of happening too frequently. I mean, we saw that with Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker. He tried to be as committed to the character as Heath Ledger was in 2008, and instead he just came off looking like a sociopath instead of like the actual character. Um, whereas with, I don't know, with Osborne, you need someone who can be cool under fire, but someone who, at the drop of a hat, will just, like, lose their shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, I just got done listening to an audiobook version of Jurassic Park, and I, the way I imagine Osborne is kind of a lot like John Hammond. He doesn't, uh, he's, you know, he's a guy that owned the park. Uh, he doesn't take responsibility for anything. Uh, he wants all this power. He wants all this authority, but he doesn't really want to do the work for it. He doesn't want to be responsible for it. And that was actually one of the themes in uh, in the first seven issues of, of Ultimate Spider-Man. And, and actually, I think, like, the first 20 or so issues, um, because Osborn becomes the Goblin, and eventually he makes his way back, uh, taking his human form, and... Uh, Peter is going off on his tirade as he's fighting Osborne, saying, hey, you don't want to take responsibility for anything you do, for any of the people you hurt. You just want the power, and you don't want to do the work for it. Um, and I, I think 
you know, someone who could play that off really well would be great. And speaking of a web-headed friend, we have a move for Far From Home. That came about recently, I believe. Yeah, they're moving the date from, I believe, the 5th now to the 2nd. Of July. Which is understandable, because why? In the United States? 4th of July, the holiday. Yeah, so I would assume then, and you know what happens when you assume, right? You make an assume out of mmm and yee. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know why July 2nd, which is what, a Tuesday? I mean, I know that with a holiday in a, a given week, then it becomes the Wednesday. Case in point, every year, Thanksgiving. It, you know, a new movie comes out on the Wednesday. And even currently, some things can come out on Wednesday for whatever reason. It could be a non-holiday. DVDs come out on that day, Eddie. Oh, Fun well, fact. we're talking about feature film in the big screen theater that you pay 12 bucks for a movie kind of thing. So I didn't know you could do that in those theaters, Eddie. This is what I have to work with, Garrett. <laughs> Leave it oh. at that. So that's the guess. I did, but I've had the t- my fair share of radio experiences. Ah, okay. Uh, so the Tuesday. Okay, so maybe it's a new thing. They're trying something out. And uh, okay, one more day, which was a Spider-Man it's title run series somewhere, wasn't it? One more day. Unfortunately, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, some storyline to catch up with. No, you don't. 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 I do. I have no, to catch no, up with you're, everything. You're fine, Eddie. Don't you listen read it. up. You listen up right now, Peter. I have to start with like 1993 and come forward from there. So I'm that's trying how much. to save you. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take my hand. Avo- okay, right. I'm helping you avoid that and the 90s Clone Saga. You oh. are so good. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And I'm a diehard Spider-Man fan. I've read yeah. over 800 issues, which is a depressing thing to say out loud. Yep. But well, it still is something that. No, 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 Eddie, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, little hey, one. I, speaking of the Clone Saga, I gotta say, Bendis' take on it for the Ultimate Spider-Man sin, where he condensed nine years' worth of storytelling into, like, seven issues, Oof. was amazing. Oof. Again, wow. that's why, Eddie, if you have to read the Clone Saga, read go, it that way. Go that way. <laughs> okay. I would say, on the topic oh, of the uh, Bendis run of Spider-Man, I would say it's the, no pun intended, ultimate portrayal of the character because you have this character, which spoilers people, because that's how we get Miles Morales, the character has to die. And it shows the impact and the power of what possessing that mask has and the importance. And then at the end, it's, oh, he was just a kid? Mm. A kid protected all of us? It's, It's that level of, wow, this is incredible. And it was... At its time, it was a special series, and I really am trying to like persuade you to start collecting that book because, oh man, yeah, 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 yeah. it to like, be continued. I I just cannot get enough of it, and if anything, Eddie, go to your local library and borrow it. If it's not out indefinitely, well, there's interlibrary loans, Eddie, and they can put oh. it on hold for you. See, last time I was at the library, mm-hmm. that is true, I but I can't tell you. But you would, in all honesty, love it. And, you know, Garrett can vouch for that. It's, it's... I know, he made an offer. There, <laughs> so there's, I believe, uh, 160... And the offer still stands. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like 160 issues of the main series. And then you have the, uh, like, there's like certain tie-in events which are just self-contained four-issue miniseries. And there's, I think, three of them. You don't need to read Ultimate X-Men. You don't need to read Ultimates. You just need to read Ultimate Spider-Man. That's helpful, actually. So, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. You don't need Ultimate Fantastic Four, which was certainly a series. Yep. It was actually a very good run, too. 
I've read a bit of it. I didn't care much for it, but I did enjoy the um, the issues that led up to the birth of Marvel Zombies. Yeah that that was a oh that was a frightening book. Hmm. And it's it's still it's depressing because I think you know with what happens with them in that and that's the end of that anecdote. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. I yeah. So now, guys, one other thing, one of the last pieces. It's Marvel, kind of, but not really. We're going to talk about the distinguished competition for a moment because we're talking about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And currently, as it stands, Big Dave Batista, recent retiree in the world of professional wrestling, Big Dave, has left The Suicide Squad. He was going to be in the movie. He's now no longer going to be in it, which I think it means we're going to have a lot more Drax the Destroyer in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Amen to that. Yeah, I mean, he was there all along. It's just his movements were so slow. <laughs> we just couldn't tell he was there. He yeah. never left. Yeah. Unless you throw something over his head and then he catches it. His reflexes are so fast. Metaphors do not go over his head. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, in regards to that, the big announcement, one wrestler leaves, one enters. It's kind of like a it's like a uh, Royal Rumble right now. We got, you know, one elimination, but now we have a new entrant into this. Rumored innuendo, and I got to do, once again, a something to wrestle shout out with that, you know, line. Rumored innuendo will have you believe that John Cena is going to be entering the Suicide Squad himself. So I'm kind of disappointed about that because Cena has been one of my dream castings in the Marvel Universe for quite some time. If we're not going to count the MCU's Netflix shows, that they don't count, I guess they're not canon, you know who he would make a great character in? Captain America. Juggernaut? I could see that, but I, you got to have a beefy guy. Like, you know, not beefy in terms of, like, muscular. Like, beefy is in, oh, man, they had that sale in the pudding. But <laughs> I would say, for me, you got to have, you know, like a beefy kind of juggernaut. But I digress. The role I'd love to see Cena play, no pun intended because you can't see him. Uh, anyway, so Nuke from Captain America. And Ooh. I can see John Cena with the American flag painted across his face yep. and getting another red. I mm. can hear John Cena saying, give me another red. Give me another red. Yeah. And John's got the body type for it. John has the intensity. I think he would be perfect as Nuke in a Marvel movie. That's a character I've seen but not read about. And you were going Captain America. I thought of um, U.S. Agent, but... I've heard that that was a rumor at one point, too. Oh, okay. Now... U.S. Agent would have been a good fit for him, too, because he's got... I mean, while I I don't think much of him as a a serious actor, I mean, John Cena's been good at, at... you know, in some comedy that I've seen him do, but the, uh, I, you know, the role he did for the, the Marine, his first, you know, action film role, uh, I'm sitting there thinking, man, that's, that's a pretty tough guy. I, you know, I could imagine him in a, in a, in that kind of a situation. U.S. agent was a much, you know, grittier version of Captain America. And I think Cena could pull that off pretty well. Yeah. Now, in regards to Cena with all of this, actually, Eddie, going back over to Nuke, have you read Daredevil Born Again? No. Oh, damn, Eddie. Do you really do <laughs> oh, have a lot to... Like, you, 
It's on all over the intro to the podcast. I put it I right out there. I, I got a lot was, of work to do. I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> it's 1993 was my cutoff year. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that was 1986 or 87. Uh, mm, I got to look that up. Okay. It was the mid. It I was the mid 80s. Well, I don't know that I was. I wasn't collecting as many titles as as I am now, and filling gaps and creating new gaps and the, runs and stuff. You know, the boys over here reading Frankenstein comics and doesn't think to read Infinity Gauntlet. Tisk tisk. Oh, you've got to be kidding! Nineteen eighty six. Frank okay. Miller. Disappointed, Eddie. Okay. Disappointed. Shame. But part of a, part of the run, right? Of the first Daredevil series. Yes, I okay. believe it's uh, Daredevil two twenty seven. Why do I know that so offhand? But. <laughs> It could be, yeah, it could very well be that I did. and um, It is a really great run. Yeah, it's, it's sounding a little familiar now. And actually, if you read the run, it's the major inspiration for Daredevil Season 3. Which, mm, okay. man, I can't wait for you to experience that too. Like, I can't wait to experience it. I just finished uh, Iron Fist last night, which, once again, people, not as bad as I've heard it is. And since a lot of people online will be like, don't listen to critics, don't listen to them, blah, blah, blah. Technically, I'm a critic. I liked it. Give it a watch. So there's that. Iron Fist wasn't bad. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I wish that, especially in the first season, more of the martial arts was more kung fu and less tai chi. But yeah. But that's you know my personal preference. Uh, but you know it was it was good. I just I was a little bit concerned with the way that the character was portrayed because they made him either a kind of a simpleton or be just like completely emotionally unaware of what he was doing. Okay. So that's where I'm, you know, I don't know if anybody had ever come out and told me enough that I remembered what made it not as favorably received. And I didn't think it was the different type of martial arts because Lord knows I would not know the difference myself. Well, it's part of my background. I did martial arts. And so I, I was able to identify that he was doing something. I mean, it was kung fu adjacent, mm. a lot of big circular movements, but but not uh, the, yeah. the not the cartoon Hong Kong fui now, right? Oh no, oh no! Okay. Actually, actually, I think that was more Taekwondo. Okay. <laughs> I never expected to mention Hong, mention Hong Kong fui in a you know that was a cartoon growing up. Hanna Barbera, I believe, number one super guy. <laughs> Fanrific. So now before we go, let's wrap this episode up. Garrett, we want to say thank you for being on the program today. Thank you for having me. I will be available if you ever want to call me up again and bring me on the show. I would love it. Sounds good. Now, how can people get a hold of you on them, thar, social medias? So I'm on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at GKJ underscore publishing. Uh, and then I use GKJ Publishing also for my my uh, YouTube account, where I do vlogs every week. Very cool, very cool. Now, once again, people, if you want to check out the show on social media, you know you can do that because you can listen to the beginning of the show, and we don't want to go through that usual rigmarole again. But on the flip side, we didn't mention something. Mm. If you go to wolverinepodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. You get one free month of Stitcher Premium. And with Stitcher Premium, you're able to listen to a crap ton of audio content, including the Weird Al Yankovic concert archives, the Nerdist archives, the Smadcast archives, 
the Earwolf podcast archives, but most importantly, Marvel's foray into podcasting, Wolverine the Long Night, and now the current ongoing serialized audio drama, Wolverine The Lost Trail. So what we do is we feel you should go on there and sign up, people. It's only free for the first month, and then it's four ninety nine a month after. But, and that's a big but, you can cancel at any time. So you don't even need to be billed four ninety nine after your or, you know before your first month is over. You yep. can cancel. You can cancel like a day in. doesn't matter. But we recommend you stay on because, hey, it's a good service. In all honesty, there's a lot of great stuff that you can check out. And I still am discovering some insane stuff on there that I otherwise would not have found through regular podcasting apps. And also, like I said, people, you sign up for this service, it helps support the show. It helps keep us going with costs of uploading. It helps us with costs of transportation for conventions that we have to cover for content for this here fine program. So... WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. So, for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Garrett K. Jones. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! It's time for Obsessed with Marvel, venturing into the book of 2,500 questions. Designated wow. for one or two players, but we've got three, and that's our guest, Garrett K. Jones. Wait, okay. a, wait a minute, that's what? 2,499 more than one questions. Thank goodness some math works with you. Stop okay. that. Well, it does. Okay, I'm not flagged into the right spot that I need to be, so let's flip to page. Page question, what the heck, 1,000. 955. Armbar! What a great year that was. I was negative 10, I think, then. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? It's true. Gosh darn it. 1955, and the question reads, Where did Tyrone Johnson and Tandy Bowen first meet? Ooh, this is Cloak and Dagger, folks. I'm giving you that. Port Authority Bus Terminal. Times Square. The East Village or Tribeca? Where did Tyrone Johnson and Tandy Bowen first meet? Port Authority Bus Port Terminal. Authority. Okay. Times Square, the East Village, Tribeca. Garrett, you're saying Port Authority? I am. Okay. I'll go. I was going to go with East Village, but Garrett seems very confident with his answer. Yeah, and that's swaying me because I don't know where I'm going here. <laughs> well, I gonna... was thinking they met in a dark alleyway somewhere, actually. Um, it might be a newer version. Like the the uh, freeform series, which by the way you've know. watched a bit of it. How is it? I you know an unfortunate set of circumstances stopped me from watching. Oh, meaning, wait, wait, so that was I when the TiVo it. died. That's when the DV yeah DVR was kaputnik. Wow. So I got about two episodes in. And then it I was told by uh, hashtag Emmett from Haven for Heroes definitely worth a watch. And now DVRing the second season, but I only got about two episodes in. Oh. Never even really got a chance too much to talk about on a previous podcast. So I need to kind of find a, a version of it to to catch up. Not well, we'll not to avoid it, a version, but a rending rendering. Sorry of that. All right. Stop so that, so we have Port Authority bus terminal. You're saying East Village, Peter? He's, he's, I, he said Port Authority, and I'm but going you're going to go with that. 
Let's take a guess courtesy and go with a Port Authority bus terminal. And the answer is yes. Okay. And we are very happy to get that correct because a lot of times we're not getting them correct. Well, we get we get knocked down and we get up again. But if um, if we yeah, you and uh, Chumbawamba there, okay. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> uh, you know what, Garrett? He throws out a line of a song. I have to identify it. So it's just it's just dude. It's, I it's weird because it's it's like listening to some of the people that I grew up with. Me, and my best friend, we have some cr- crazy banter about this type of stuff too. So. Good. So now we're CB. I like this crazy banter. That's that's probably the most fitting way to put it. Question number 834 says, what happened to the Red Skull at the end of World War II? Was it he went into suspended animation? He was killed and then cloned by Arnim Zola. He was put on trial for war crimes, or he went to work for the Soviets. I'll read it again. What happened to the Red Skull at the end of World War II? So let's, you know, let's figure 1945. Okay. He went into suspended animation. He was killed and then cloned by Arnim Zola. He was put on trial for war crimes. He went to work for the Soviets. I have my guess, and I may stick to it unless somebody persuades me otherwise. I'm I'm saying the suspended animation. Are I'm, you? I'm going okay. to suspended animation as Dang well. Never. I was going to say I was saying killed and cloned because I only thought Cap did that. But in the interest of fairness or whatever, I'll go with letter A. It is correct. What da 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 da. And I stand by the, I was wrong, and I know it. And third question. Wow, we could be on a roll here. I don't know. I heard a little bit of feedback, and it sounded like you said thirdshin. Well, that's a combination of words, so there you go. 1,000. 700. Come on. And 65. Okay. And it reads... Which 1940s villain appeared as Professor Sanderson in The Sensational She-Hulk? Mr. Sanderson. Number 29-30, circa 1991. 1940s villain appearing as Professor Sanderson in The Sensational She-Hulk. And I should know this, so I read this. Mr. Sanderson. Is Bizza the hyena? Wait, 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 were you just doing like a Snoop Dogg impression? No, (laughs) No, no, I was trying to get the name right without having to stumble through it, but now I have to go back because of you guys. Is Bizza, hey, I said nothing. Thank you, I know. <laughs> pluralizing here. Is Bizza the hyena, Agent Axis, or Future Man? And the Rizza and the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Sanderson. Can I buy drugs from you? Wait, what? what? <laughs> I said, can I buy drugs from you? Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, the which 1940s villain appeared as Professor Sanderson in the sensational She-Hulk, number 29 and 30, is Bizza, which is spelled I-S-B-I-S-A, the hyena, Agent Axis, or Future Man? Hyena sounds like it would be an option. I'm kind of going there, yeah, actually. I'm, I'm thinking 1940s, World War II, Agent Axis. Ooh, you might have swayed of, us. The voice of reason speaking. I'm going to take his answer because yeah. he's the guest, so why not? Let's go see. And no, it's not. Damn it, damn it, damn it. It's oh. is, it's is Bizza. The Rizza. Oh. The, the name you ridiculed me for. Uh, we got two out of three, and that ain't bad. Thank you, Mr. Meatloaf. Meatloaf. That's exactly right. And we're out. Hello, true believers. 
I'm John Sherburn, audio engineer for The Marvelous. To finish up this episode, we're going to present to you some audio from the Big Apple Comic Con, which Peter, Matt Cascone, and myself attended on March 9th and 10th of this year. Some celebrity guests there included Mike Coulter and William Shatner, and we were lucky enough to interview Colby Frumer, actor from Netflix's The Punisher. Let's see what he has to say. So it's cool, you're actually like our first uh, Gen Z like person on the show. You're young, you're young. 2000s and uh, You're young and hip and cool, like, like we're all old. I'm not old. <laughs> Y'all are old. Y'all old. He's got gray hair, I'm losing mine. I've been on gray since I was 17. Alright, well, I didn't notice when we were in college, I'll tell you that much. I had thick hair, long, luxurious hair. Yes, but anyway. you do have nice hair. All right, this is day one of Big Apple Comic Con in New York City at the Hotel Pennsylvania, right across the street from Madison Square Garden. And I am joined with our producer, Matt. Matt, how are you? Matt Casco and I am great. Happy to be here, having a good time. How about you, Peter? How are you doing? Pretty good, tired, sweaty. It's a warm convention. Yes, yes, I just took off my denim jacket. It is quite warm. But uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, do a little intro and in how, I, how I met him. So, story, it's it's the Marvelous Misadventures with Matt Cascone. That's our segue in the uh, the Marvelous here. I, new segment that I just started. So, anyway, it was back in January. I got into the Dragon Ball Super Broly premiere. Great movie if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Super. Is it canon? Is it, it is canon. canon. 100% canon. Good to the bone. Goodness. And so, I was at... We got like a we got a spinning wheel here. I want I want to know what I want. Anyway, I'm at the premiere. Great movie, loved it. Go see it if you're a fan. Afterwards, I was at the after party, and I see this I see this young man, and I'm like, I know this guy, but how, how do I know this young man? I see I seen him somewhere. This is weird. Where 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 do I know? Him? I'm like, that's the kid from the Punisher. He was uh he was Micro's son on the Punisher. So night goes on. And I bump into him at the end of the night. I talk to him real quick. I show him, uh, you might have seen that meme for The Punisher. It was The Punisher Cancels Netflix. Not Netflix Cancels The Punisher. Punisher Cancels next Netflix. So I met this young man. His name is Kobe Frumer. Talked to him and his dad. Bright young man. Uh, uh, good head on his shoulders. And I thought he would be great on The Marvelous. And when I told him that, hey, my, my friend Peter from The Marvelous, I produce, he hosts, he interviewed two out of the four Hulks last year. He interviewed Mark Ruffalo, and he interviewed, uh, wow, I'm fucking losing it right now. Uh, it, the, the, yep, you're right, sorry, sorry. Lou Ferrigno, um, his eyes, like, lit up, and he's like, and I'm like, how would you like to be on the show? And he's like, I'd love to be on the show. And now we have Kobe Frumer here in the flesh. How's it going, Kobe? Doing great. How about you? I'm having a blast. What's the best thing you've seen in the con so far? Best thing? I mean, overall, everything is awesome, but I have my eye on this one Fortnite axe. Oh, Fortnite. How many how many wins you got in Fortnite? Fortnite, I have 37 wins. What? Are those solos or duos or, or uh, Solo. squats? Solos. And what system do you play on? Oh, I play PC and mobile. It's awesome. I mean, PC, that's how you build. You build on PC. I can't build for cheese and crackers. Can't build it all. Can't, cannot build for cheese and crackers. I think I only have 14 wins solo. Last time I checked, I'm not. So, I mean, it's a popular game. I mean, they had, what did you think of um, when they did the uh, 
the, the Thanos mode. Were you playing that when they were doing that? It was so hard to get the gauntlet. I finally got it right before the event ended. I got the gauntlet. Did you win? Yeah. Oh, very nice, so very nice. I won once myself. Uh, that I was a cool mode. I think they should bring it back. I really do. Fortnite, if you're listening, bring back the Thanos mode. I think we all enjoyed it. I mean, Endgame is coming out. So. Yes, I'm, I'm, sure, sure. I'm sure they're going to. By the way, with Endgame, the end results of the snap, this month on The Marvelous, we're going to be doing a lot of what if. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen with Endgame? Because we don't know what's going on. Well, I have a few ideas, but my number one is that they're going to get the gauntlet. Then they're going to use the time stone to bring everybody back by going back in time. Or everybody is somehow trapped in the soul stone, and they're going to bring all of them back. That's, yeah, in the uh, Infinity Gauntlet comic by Perez and Starlin, that was like the yeah. main thing that happened, and I absolutely can see that. And I'm guessing you read the comics as well? Yeah, of course. Who are some of your favorite, or what are some of your favorite stories that you've read comic books? Favorite? My number one would definitely have to be Captain America. Right on. I mean, he's just this great guy that is a hero, he was a soldier. As Matt is shirt. showing his shirt off. Love My whole shirt. Captain America cosplay right now. I mean, he's just this great character, and you just can't not love him, you know? I've always said Captain America is the heart and soul of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it shows. It absolutely shows. Matt? Um, I mean, what, what characters I like? I mean, you know me, I'm always partial to Spider-Man. Um, well, that was my segue for you to ask a question. Oh, ask my ask a question. All right. So, how, how about you tell you and your dad were telling me a cool story about um, when you went to Marvel headquarters here in New York City. Tell us about that. Big energy, big loud voice. What was it like? Wow, that was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. See, I went there. I went in. They showed this. They showed the entire place. They had this one room. It was like kind of like a sanctum, and they called it the vault. And they had every single original copy of every comic book from Marvel ever made. And they just showed us it. They showed them to me, all of them. And it was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And like, they had this wall with a bunch of superheroes. So I was like, oh, I know who all these guys are. So I went through all of them, and there was like one I didn't know. And they told me, you know, you're like in the top four people that have ever been here to know most of them. And that includes like Stan Lee and other writers. Now, do you remember what the character you didn't know was? Actually, I don't remember. Uh, we're going to have to go there and find out for ourselves. But I love this. I love That's very cool. That's very cool. Now, how did you get the role of being on the Punisher? That was, it was a whirlwind of a story, actually. See, I was booked up for a while. I was working on a cartoon called The Ollie and Me Show, and I had an appointment to do voiceover, and then I got an audition, but I wasn't supposed to do it, right? But then my parents found out what it was for, and they told me. So, found out, oh my god, it's The Punisher. So we have to reschedule the voiceover, right? So I go, and it's like this five-page five pages I have to do. Then I come home, they call me like, here's another 10 pages, you're coming back tomorrow. And then I do it, and then they say at the end of the day, you got the job. And I'm just screaming my head off like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing ever. That's awesome. Like, what is like the biggest difference? Because you said you did voiceover work. What's the biggest difference between acting on screen versus uh, voiceover work? 
Well, I would think that voiceover work is a little bit harder because you don't really have someone to work off of other than the director if they're in the booth with you. So it's a little harder, and sometimes it can be a little more time-consuming, but I really just love doing both. From what I understand, uh, when you do voiceover work, a lot of times, I, I th- uh, maybe our viewers know this, maybe they don't, but you said it's harder because you don't have someone to work off of. It's usually everyone does their lines separately. It's not like you're all in a room together doing lines off of each other, right? Yeah. Before I became an actor, that was a misconception that I thought too. I thought it was everybody was in the room together and they would just say the lines once or twice and then that was it. But it's actually a lot harder than that. It takes time. It's real work. Well, yeah, I definitely think a lot of people, there's definitely a mis- misconception. Like, you said it, you said it yourself, it's real work. Acting is real work. It's a job. It's a job. It's definitely a tough job, I, I couldn't imagine. But you seem to be doing a great job so far. I mean, people people love The Punisher. People love the second season. You know, the, the reviews were a little less positive second season. You were in the second season. I don't know if that's direct correlation. It might be. I, I think mean, so. I, 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 you could, you could definitely convince some people that that is the why it was not as good the second season. Who is your favorite person to work with on the show? My favorite person. I don't really think I can pick one person. Everybody was just so nice. They were such amazing actors, and they really helped me become a better actor. It was just an amazing experience to work with all of them. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, muckiness with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Are the Netflix shows a part of it? Are they not? This show, we believe it is. So what is it like knowing you coexist in the same universe as Captain America, Iron Man, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, etc.? I just got goosebumps hearing you say that. I mean, it's like, just thinking about it, it's just amazing. I feel honored. Did you survive the snap? Well, I'm still here right now, so... Hey, good answer, good answer. Now, also on the topic of the snap, we have a sensitive subject. I think you know which one I'm going with. Is it Star-Lord's fault? Yes, it is. Yes, I want to know, what is your thoughts? Whose fault is it? And be warned, I do have a Star-Lord tattoo. Okay, well... I think that it wasn't anybody's fault because Doctor Strange looked into the future to see every possible outcome and he saw the one he knew that he needed to let Star-Lord mess it up so that they could get the gauntlet and fix everything back to the way it was. So what you're getting at is hashtag Star-Lord did nothing wrong. In a way. Yes. Still, that's a point for me. Definitely in a way. We haven't talked about it on the show yet, but my theory is it's actually... One, Nebula messed up because she just stood there and did nothing. Now, I know she wasn't a part of the original plan. They didn't know Nebula was going to be there. You know, she throws her spaceship into Thanos. But she just kind of stands there and is just like, oh, he killed Gamora and just stands there and does nothing. So I kind of blame Nebula. Personally, I blame Gamora and Drax because if you remember, he says, go to the left, and they went to the right. So... Another, th- another. Sorry, you called me. You, you oh, first. You first. Thank you. Um, I always thought that they were kind of doomed from the beginning when they got to nowhere because the the whole place was just altered by the reality stone. So I think they had no chance, no matter how great the plan was that Peter Quill made. Whether they went left or right. But you know, I we've talked about this real quick, and then we'll we'll, we'll go to a different subject. It's weird that Spider-Man let go of the gauntlet. Like, Spider-Man's tugging at the gauntlet, he gets it half off, and then Thanos rips it back off, and Spider-Man just kind of loses his grip. So it was Peter's fault. He's not supposed to lose his grip. Spider-Man has unbreakable grip. If Spider-Man grabs something, 
you, you, I'm like, he can't let go unless he decides to let go, you know? Or he loses consciousness. In the interest of fairness, he is still developing his powers. The spider sense hasn't fully developed. The spider strength hasn't fully developed. He's going to spider puberty. He's, it's, it's an experience for the young man. All right, all right. Well, I, I have a question. You were on nine episodes of The Punisher, correct? Yes. Were you there for any of, like, the really violent scenes? Definitely. Those were the best ones. <laughs> What's it like listening to John Berthal scream? Like, he has that guttural scream, just like... I, it's like, I sometimes I love it, sometimes I can't take it seriously, but it's just... It's just... Uh, uh. That's a terrible, terrible um, impression. I apologize, John I Berthal. John Berthal was right here with us right now. But what did you think of that scream? What was it like hearing him do that on set? Well, John is a method actor. I mean, personally, like, talking to him, he's just like a sweet guy. But when he's acting as the Punisher, it's really intimidating. I, I mean, the scene where he had held the knife to my neck, it was the first few times we did it, I was kind of scared, but he really helped me through it. it. Took me a little bit, a little while to get used to it. I mean, it's pretty scary, but it's it's really real. Well, I think that was a really real scene. I think that was a great scene when, when he had the knife to your neck. Thank and, you. like, you know, your dad, he says, thank you. <laughs> what, a, what a polite young man. Thank you for complimenting me on getting my knife knife to my throat. Um, I, that was that was a great scene, and you really felt the emotion with, um, I kept wanting to say Gizmo. That's not right. Uh, micro. Gizmo uh, was the gremlin. I don't know if you remember. I don't watch gremlins. No, I, I'm not that old. Um... But yeah, no, no, Micro, his reaction, like, he comes, like, you know, he's, like, and he's been with the Punisher this whole time. If anyone would know that, you know, everything's going to be okay, it's Micro, but he's, like, freaking out anyway. Now, on this topic of the Netflix shows, who are some of your other favorite characters in the Netflix series, like Iron Fist, etc.? I really loved all of the shows, especially Defenders. I mean, the way that they put all of them together, it wasn't just, like, one episode there's a bad guy, now we need to work together. It was like, it took a few episodes for them to start actually working together. And I love Daredevil season three. I love both seasons of Iron Fist. Luke Cage was amazing. I know Mike Halter's here. Yeah, Mike Halter is here. Yeah, I actually he brought the ruckus. Uh, he was doing the table read for episode one of season two. And I was talking to him, a few other people in the cast. And actually, Lucy Liu was the one who directed the first episode. That's right, she did direct an episode. I almost so, forgot. I was talking to her there, and it was just amazing talking to all of them. And Jessica Jones, definitely. That, I love Jessica Jones, especially with Kilgrave and David Tennant. I've always gone on record, the first season of Jessica Jones is the best thing Marvel Studios has put out ever, and that includes the movies. Because yeah. Kilgrave, or uh, Kilgrave, right? Yay! Kilgrave is such an intense villain, and... It's real. It's real, like how that character. He is. almost convinces you, like that, that you know he's not such a bad guy. Like that's how good he is. Not just that, but I'm so used to David Tennant as the Doctor from Doctor Who. So seeing him being this evil, just disgusting human being, that's great acting. That's fantastic. Great, great. I totally agree. And the funniest thing is with the Netflix series, I actually haven't seen Punisher yet. I'm a terrible fan. But That's why I'm here, Peter, to, to like sail this ship in the right direction. Exactly. But the thing is, from what I've seen of it, oh my god. You know, it looks fantastic. And I'm currently actually right now going through Iron Fist, which some fans have gone on saying it's not that great, blah, blah, blah. You haven't heard this from me yet. 
I kind of like it. It, it, it I agree. Let's put it this way. It picks up season two. Season two is I really enjoyed and I think it's definitely the most improved show of the series, and it's a shame we won't get to see where Iron Fist or any of these characters continue to go unless, you know, things change, maybe things... The rumor has been Hulu. The rumor has been FX. You never know. Plans change. Well, here, here's my theory, and it's, it's I hope I'm wrong with this theory. Does it involve a gauntlet? No, no. Sadly, it does not involve a gauntlet. But I think, I think Kobe... You're, you're a mature young man. You can you can hear me say say this without me hurting your feelings. My theory, unfortunately, is that let's put it this way: a little a little context. Back in the day, in the '90s, where, I was in where a very me and Peter TV show. no, we're not doing BoJack Horseman. Back in the '90s, where me and Peter grew up, there were these Star Wars books called the uh, the Thrawn tr- Thrawn trilogy. Have you have you heard of them? No, they're great. They're very. Everyone who read them, see, even even John, our our, our uh, audio specialist, agrees. Um, it was this trilogy that was, basically was what episodes seven, eight, and nine were supposed to be. And anyone who read them loved them. They were great, and they were they were the end all be all for quite some time. And then Disney bought Marvel, and then they bought Disney. They bought Disney bought Disney Marvel. Bought, I'll never forget that. Disney deal. bought Marvel, and then they bought Star Wars. And when they bought Star Wars, they're like, okay, we're doing our own original stories and stuff like that. And, then and you might have liked you might have liked the books, and you can still like the books, but we're not focused on them anymore. They're no longer canon. They're Star Wars legends. And my fear is that they're going to do the same thing with the Netflix shows. Because if you remember, they said the Netflix shows are part of the MCU, which is true. They reference the MCU a number of times. But unfortunately, the movies never reference the show as far as I as I know. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty positive they don't. We've got, we've got confirmation from John that they do not. So my fear, and my theory that I hope is incorrect, is that Disney, when they start this new streaming service, will be like, hey, you like the Netflix shows? That's great, we like them too, but we don't want to make them canon, like we want to do our own thing, and they're just going to revamp the characters. Which I think is a shame if they do it, and I I hope they don't. I still say it's going to be Hulu, because Hulu they're getting Howard the Duck, they're getting Moda. But those are characters they haven't used yet, so they're making their own shows for those. They did use Howard. They did. But they use them in the MCU, not the not the Netflix. But it's still animated, and it might be a part of the MCU. Only time will tell. We'd love to see, you know, the Netflix shows come to the Disney service. We'd love to see you in more episodes of The Punisher. Like I said, season two was great. But not as good as season one, and I mean, you're in season one, you're not in season two. I mean, there might be a direct correlation there. Now, also with the uh, Disney deal going on right now with Fox, we might be seeing the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, very soon. Which are you more interested in, the Fantastic Four or the X-Men? You know, I think I love the X-Men. I really do, and all the actors that have done them, but. I think I might have to lean towards Fantastic Four just because of Silver Surfer. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters. He has this amazing backstory. He sacrifices himself to save his planet, and he becomes the herald. And then he realizes how wrong he is by doing that. And then he he tries to sacrifice himself again to save people who had just met. And he's just this amazing person. So I think I would have to lean towards the Fantastic Four. 
Uh, I mean, you know me, I'm always impartial to the X-Men. I think we really haven't gotten a, a fair shot with the Fantastic Four, so I would like them to get an opportunity to shine, but I'm, I'm hankering for some X-Men, I'll tell you. I want Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine. That, that would That's just... controversial, because a lot of people I know are upset about that. Idea. Well, they can just suck it. Would you want to see that? Would you want to see Harry Potter don the mutton chops, the sideburns? I'd like to see a great actor do it, and Daniel Radcliffe is that. Radcliffe, sorry. It's all good, it's all good. I mean, he is, he is the right height. He's the right height, and he can grow a beard. We don't know if he can do a Canadian accent, but... I think he can. I think he can, too. I believe in him. So, Kobe, you, uh, what, what, are you working any, on any projects now? Like, what, what's, 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 what's new in the life of Kobe Frumer that you want to share with us? Well, I am working on a few things. I can't really talk about them now. You know, NDAs. That was getting Absolutely. We don't want you to break any NDAs. But, actually, a movie that I did not too long ago just came out on Amazon Prime. It's called Bugs the Trilogy. It's a horror movie. And it was, a, it was super fun to do. It's kind of creepy, but it's a great movie. I mean, we watched The Evil Dead, so we're all about creepy. What, what was that movie called again one more time? Bugs A Trilogy. Bugs A Trilogy? Yeah, it's like three short films put into one, all directed by the same person at the same time. Well, if you have Amazon Prime, definitely check out Bugs A Trilogy. Right on. So now, before we wrap this episode up, Kobe, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Social media, well, I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My username is Kobe Fruma, K-O-B-I-F-R-U-M-E-R. And actually, I just got this app called Cameo. So Cameo is this app where people can pay to have me send videos saying, like, happy birthday or happy anniversary or just for fun or whatever. That's cool. That's cool. So, Matt, before we go, we want to tell Kobe thank you once again for being on the show. Thank you, Kobe. It's an honor to be here.